thankful for the way these stories hold on to the lifetime we won't get back. I know these rivers carry. Welcome to Kankakee Podcast, where we talk about the people and places of Kankakee County. I'm Jake Lamore, and this is our monthly episode where we're once again joined by staff from the Kankakee County Museum. We have uh, historian Jack Clacy here with us today once again, which I'm so excited about to have you on once again, Jack. And of course, uh, Veronica Featherston, who is the executive director of the Kankakee County uh, Museum. Or I, sh- I I feel so weird saying museum because it's like it's more than that museum. We've got the French Heritage Museum, as we always mention as well. Um, so welcome both of you again. It's always hard to believe that that month just goes by so quickly. <laughs> so, um, but before we get to today's topic, uh, Veronica, what are some museum affiliated events coming up? I know there's a ton of them. Uh, There are quite a bit coming up. Um, So I'll start with the Kankakee County Museum. Like you said, there are two different locations. So the Kankakee County Museum um, is the one at 801 South 8th Avenue. Um, That's our museum campus. We have uh, coloring contests that we are doing for Halloween. Um, So there are different, there are three different age groups, um, three to six, seven to nine, and then 10 and up. Uh, So if you email Alyssa Blanchett at I'm sorry, alyssablanchett.k3museum at gmail.com. That's a mouthful. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, you can get those uh, coloring sheets to participate, or you can come in and pick them up. Those are due on October 22nd, so Friday. Um, and the winners will be announced on the 22nd. Um, October 23rd. Saturday, uh, we have our first Crafty Kids with Camille event that is at the same museum. Um, they are doing a decoupage uh, pumpkin activity, and we actually were able to get the pumpkins uh, donated to us by Burkotts in Kankakee. So um, we're excited to have this opportunity. It's a free event for kids. Um, we do recommend RSVPing ahead of time. You can do that on our website, kankakeecountymuseum.com, um, and that's for ages 5 to 10. And then on October 30th, um, we are welcoming everyone to come trick-or-treating at the museum. I thought that was so (laughs) cool when I saw that on the list. Yeah, so if you want to dress up, great. Um, But yeah, come on in and we'll have some fun treats for everyone. So are you going to have like them go throughout the whole museum? Yeah, so we'll have stuff throughout every exhibit. Awesome. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah, I think so too. So yeah. come out. <laughs> is uh, I would assume staff has to dress up for that too, right? Oh, I, I, I plan to. <laughs> That's actually at the French Heritage Museum too. We'll have some trick-or-treating. That's a oh, smaller okay. building, um, so right. a, a little bit different, but yeah. um, we'll at least have a couple of stops in there too okay um so that's october 30th because saturday is when we're open for the weekend right yeah Yeah, and then actually be open on halloween right so yeah um so then in november at the um kankakee county museum campus we have on the 6th our annual artisan fair um and then uh, our annual Veterans Day ceremony on November 11th. Is that kind of like the Lay Artisans Craft Fair, except a smaller scale? Is it kind of similar to that? I, I guess I would say so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's a craft fair. Yeah. You're right. It's a craft fair. It is a small scale. Yeah. yeah. Um, we do also have um, some sort of food that we provide every year. Um, I think in the past we've usually done like a chips and sandwich type of deal. Um maybe soup sometimes <laughs> it just depends on the year and what we decide to make a menu but we also have food um 
Very good quality craft fair too, by the way. Yeah, artists involved. I know that one's people. Yeah, I know that one's kind of grown over the years to be kind of a a popular thing. Yeah. So um, that's uh, that's good. We missed it last year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The year before was gorgeous. I remember because the uh, leaves had all changed colors, but it snowed the day before, so it was like a little bit of snow on top of the colorful leaves. It, It was beautiful. I'm just saying. Yeah, Good that, time of that year was, to come out. And that was also the same. The t- 2019 was also the same year it snowed on Halloween, I think. That makes sense. And that sense, would have been yeah. right around the, yeah. the same, same time. time. That yeah. was so strange. Uh, hopefully, uh, knock on no. wood, that yes. doesn't happen. Can hold again. off. <laughs> I think January would be a nice time for it to start snowing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Or, you know, December 25th, maybe, or 24th. You know? um, and so, yeah, then what else after the, the arts and crafts fair? Yeah, uh, just the Veterans Day ceremony on November 11th. Um, Then we'll move on to the French Heritage Museum, um, which is at 165 North Indiana Avenue in Kankakee. Uh, On October 23rd, we have a lecture from our board president, um, Bob de Oliveira. He will be talking about the Paris of Gertrude Stein. Um, That'll be very interesting. If you've never heard of Gertrude Stein, you should come because she's got a very interesting story. Yeah, I've heard the name so many times, but now I can't place why she's famous. Is she an author or was mm-hmm. she? Uh... She was, but she also had a, a influence on um, art. Okay. Uh, Her salon in, yeah, in Paris, Paris was uh, where all of the expatriate American authors and artists and so forth gathered a lot of uh, you know, conversation and really influences on on the that time. Okay, is that where like uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald would hang out and things like that, or was that is that a different time period? I, I don't know for sure. Uh, Bob wouldn't obviously know, but uh, yeah, yeah. So great people find out there. Yeah, find great out. reason to come. I'm just curious. <laughs> just but yeah, I guess that's why I need to go, right? <laughs> and then uh, the next day, the next morning, we have sunrise yoga at the Stone Barn. We are requiring. Um, Registration ahead of time for that. That would be at seven a.m. How's that been going? By the way, I know really that's good. that they just started in the last month uh, or two. Yeah, or? in September we started, and okay. it's really refreshing. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I feel ready to go yeah. afterwards. So, um, yeah, it's a good time, um, and it's a beautiful space. So, highly recommend. Um, and of course, trick or treating on October thirtieth. We are open one to four, both locations. By the way, on Saturdays. Um. And then November and December, we will have a holiday display every Saturday. You can come in. And then no- November 14th, again, Sunrise Yoga at 7 a.m. Again, register ahead of time. So, okay. Yeah. And is the Gallery of Trees returning this year? It is. Right? That's December 1st through 3rd at the main museum. Okay. Yes. Cool. And can people still opt to decorate a tree? Are you still looking for organizations? We are still accepting um organizations we are getting a little bit close to our limit um capacity so uh, i would highly recommend you sign up soon uh you do have to be a nonprofit organization to was, participate yeah because mm-hmm. isn't there some type of funding or they get donations yeah, you, you get right? a prize okay yeah yeah so any other non i mean there's so many nonprofit organizations in the area so and uh sounds like you've got most of them filled out already so yeah we Pretty excited about it. It's going to be a good year. It's always a big turnout. Yes, it a is. A lot of people go there for that. So it's uh, it's beautiful. It, it's kind of like uh, it's Kankakee County's version of the Science and Industry mm-hmm. Museum. How they yeah. we all went to as kids. Of yeah. Course, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and now we have it here in in the county. So wonderful. It's wonder. It's our biggest event of the year. It is. Uh, yeah. Not only in terms of drawing people to the museum, but also uh, financially. We uh, do various fundraising things in you know connection with that, and uh, it definitely shows on our bottom line, which is very good. Yeah, that's that's good to hear. So, uh, and of course, KankakeeCountyMuseum.com for anyone that wants to get more information on any of those events, um, Instagram and and Facebook, same thing. Um, find uh, the museum there, and uh, st- you know, stay in touch online. Um, so let's get to Jack. Let's get to today's topic of discussion. I was pretty excited about this one because the times I've been to the museum, I've noticed there's quite a bit of information or or just artifacts, I guess, of uh, Radeke Brewery that used to exist in Kankakee. So that's what we're diving in today. Yes, we have a an exhibit uh, in 
well, probably about one-third of one of our galleries, which is uh, the Radicke exhibit. And there are a couple of interesting, as you mentioned, artifacts. There are, uh, I think there are two sheet metal, very ornate, um, I've forgotten what the proper term for them is, but they were on the roof of the, the building, and they were kind of a, a steeplish kind of thing, but I can't remember the proper name. I can't think of it. Uh, I can't it's, think of on it, like, yeah, it's on the tip of tongue. your tongue. Yeah, I can't think of it either. And there's also a, a, a table, which is unique. Tables are tables, but this one is somewhat different. Uh, it was in the German social club, Radicke Hall, which was above the offices. And it's a square card table size. Card, In fact, it was a card table. But the unique thing about it is at each corner on the leg is a little round shelf to hold your beer stein when you were playing cards. <laughs> That's important. Yes, it is. You got to have important. somewhere to put your stein. That's right. I just was really impressed that the museum has these these relics, these mm -hmm. artifacts. I just it, because it's been so long ago mm -hmm. uh, since that brewery was in existence. You know, this is obviously way before Brickstone. Oh, yes. You know, this is uh, the, the 1800s. So Late, late 1800s and up until uh, essentially Prohibition and a bit after that once Prohibition was over. Yeah. So let's, yeah. let's start at the beginning, Jack. Where does okay. the brewery start? Okay. The brewery is not actually the first brewery in Kankakee. I uh, always thought it was. <laughs> no, there actually were two others. Um, the oldest probably was, and we don't have a founding date, but probably in the 1850s, late 1850s, uh, John Sigwalt, who we know nothing else about other than his name, uh, started a brewery, I think, and we believe it was located on what is now Fifth Avenue, just south of uh, <coughs> Soldier Creek. Okay. Uh, in today's terms, it would be in the parking lot behind the medical building across from St. Mary's. Okay. Uh, and again, we have no pictures or details on that brewery. But at some point, and we have two different dates for, we haven't tracked down the exact one, either in uh, 1858 or 1862, uh, a man named George Deal, D-I-E-H-L, uh, bought the Sigwald Brewery. And later he built a pretty good-sized building, a three-story uh, brick building that was his uh, his brewery. And he became, of course, the at that time he was uh, the only and largest brewery <laughs> in Kankakee. At some time about in that period, in the, the 60s, uh, a small brewery was started down at the foot of Dearborn Avenue at the river by a man named Jacob Hanley. And again, we have relatively little information about him. I don't think that he ran that for very long because that became eventually the the, the Radicke Brewery. Okay. Uh, Deal was a competitor until, oh, let's see. Uh, I've got to take a quick look on my date sheet here. <laughs> uh, Oh, okay. In 1876, uh, George Deal died and his brewery went out of business, leaving Radicke as the only brewery in town. But before we get into the brewery itself, I think we need to jump back a little bit to who's Radicke? Where did he come from? Yeah, right. Because it, it's just interesting to me that there's uh, Radicke must have just been a lot more successful than the breweries previously because... Mm -hmm. Like you just stated, there's not much on it. I, have you ever seen any artifacts or anything thing like that from it? Bottles or crates or anything from I, the previous breweries? I have not seen them. The only thing we have, I know we have you know, a photograph of the Deal building, which stood for quite a long time along 50th Avenue, even after uh, George Deal died. We have a photograph of him. But I don't think that we have any uh, either Sigwald or Hanley or Deal artifacts they i have found to be pretty rare because of the age involved yeah uh, anyway but yeah go back to i'm sorry go back <laughs> to radicke so where did where does he come where did he come from okay radicke was a german uh he came from uh the uh hanover section of germany uh, a community called oil o y l e uh he was born there in october of 1843 and uh, we know relatively little about his, his youth, of course, other than what was in his obituary and that sort of thing. But um, he had a, a sister named Margaret, his older sister, uh, 
And I think they were the only two children in the family. But uh, she emigrated to the United States uh, in somewhere between 1854 and 1857. Uh, lived in New York, uh, and I'm not sure what he did, but she eventually married a uh, a man named Beckman, uh, which of course is a familiar name in Kankakee. I was going to say, is it re <laughs> is that the, related to the Beckmans that were here in Kankakee, or is yes. that just a coincidence? No, he was he was the Beckman who became the per the, the ancestor okay. of all the Beckmans in Kankakee, or at least okay. most of them. Okay, uh, let's see, he. Uh, yeah, after she and uh, Mr. Beckman, uh, Fred, Fred Beckman Sr., I'm sorry, I need to check my notes here. Uh, in 1859, they moved to Kankakee County and began farming out in Salina Township, out west of the community. We were there for several years. Meanwhile, uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, Radicke, Event at the age of fifteen, uh, sailed for the United States and settled in in New York. Worked there for a number of years, actually uh, in the grocery business primarily. But uh, he met uh, a lady named Mary Catterhorn in New York City in eighteen sixty six, and uh, they were married in, on December tenth of that year. Meanwhile, jumping back and forth between New York and Kankakee. Um, his sister Margaret and her husband Fred Beckman uh, moved into Kankakee out, off the farm in 1866, and uh, they bought the small brewery that was run by Jacob Handley down at the foot of of Dearborn Avenue. Um, they were, I think, kind of a speculative venture, and don't, don't haven't heard much about that, but. Excuse me, dry no, throat. No, yeah, that's what it's there for. <laughs> that's right. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The following year, though, after the Beckmans bought the little brewery, uh, Radicke and his wife moved to Kankakee, uh, probably family influence. I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, his older sister's there, so it's right. like, come come over here. Come over know? here and see what's going on yeah. out there. And, of course, you know, in uh, the... Uh, 1860s, Kanki was a very fast-growing town. There was a lot going on, especially immediately after the Civil War. Uh, there was a lot of movement westward, and there was a particular movement into Kankakee County, but oh, most of the United States, of uh, emigrants from Germany. Uh, if you think back or think in terms of German names, if you're looking at the phone book or whatever, you'd see a lot of them in Kankakee. I mean, you had... Uh, not only Beckman's, Radicke's, the Babs's, Babs's ran the hardware store, Umbach's, they had a shoe store in town. There, a lot of the Germans went into business. There were also, I'm sure, quite a few who worked in industries and so forth. But uh, the Schneiders, uh, they eventually, one branch of the Schneider family uh, ran the biggest wagon building shop in town, and uh, another branch uh, founded a financial institution that eventually became Kanky Federal Savings. So you had a, a fairly good-sized German. There was a lot of unrest in Europe at that time. I was going to say, what was the influence of all the German immigrants? Yeah, I think like most of the waves of immigration, something triggered it in, in their own country. Uh, Germany, actually, technically, I think there was no Germany yet at that time. There were all these small Germanic states that hadn't coalesced into a country, at, a large country at that time. And there were some economic issues. There were issues like... Uh, enforced uh, military service and so, for young men and so forth that triggered a, a movement to the United States. I think the, the decade of the 1860s, uh, Germans were the largest ethnic group emigrating into the United States at that time all over the, con all over the country. And as I say, a lot of them settled here in Kankakee. Uh, majority of them probably were um, Members of St. Paul's Lutheran Church, uh, predominantly Lutheran. Right. And this Germans are known to be Lutheran. But there was also a significant uh, population of Catholic Germans. And they originally uh, would have joined uh, St. Rose Church, which was known as the French Church in town because of the 
its population was primarily French. Even the sermons were preached in French and so forth. Was that the first Catholic church in Kankakee? It was, was in St. Rose, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maternity, of course, is older yeah. in Bourbonnet, but the first Catholic church in Kankakee was St. Rose and uh, and became, and for many years was the largest of the towns churches or the Catholic churches in town because their others were settled. Uh, the German Catholics and uh, a smaller group of Polish Catholics uh, decided they really wanted a church where, uh, you know, they could speak their own language. They could hear a sermon in German or in Polish or whatever. And they felt a little, you know, uh, overwhelmed by the large number of French Canadians, of course, at St. Rose. So, and and I don't have the year handy, but St. Mary's Church on uh, the north side of Court Street, I think it's on Entrance Avenue, was founded. Uh, and the Germans and Polish members of St. Rose migrated there. Uh, and it was there for many years, even uh, a large enough parish that had a big school and everything else. But like a lot of the... Uh, Churches of various kinds that's been closed right. through the years. But anyway, getting back to the Radicals. Yeah, <laughs> when I'm curious about what I was thinking, how did how did do you know how Margaret Radicky met Beckman, Fred Beckman? No. Do you know where? Because obviously she was living in New York. Was right. he also in New York at that time, or? I haven't looked into Beckman's back, the Beckman background, but I would suspect that's probably the case. Again, because. Uh, you know, um, F.D. Radicky met his wife in New York as well. Yeah. You know, it had to be a large German concentration. It was the port of entry. Right. And so forth. And I, I know he was there for a number of years. So, mm -hmm. And I think that very likely they uh, – I'll have to look that up one of these days and see in, in the Beckman files where the two met if we have any information on that. Yeah, I was just curious. But but getting back to mm – -hmm. so, so Margaret and – uh, and Fred, Fred they actually bought that brewery. Right. They bought the, the small Hanley Brewery, uh, which I say was on River Street at Dearborn, right at the river, of course, where Dearborn dead ends into the river. Uh, when, uh, <coughs> excuse me, when F.D. Radicky and Hand Wife arrived in Kankakee, they didn't go into the brewery business immediately, though. Uh, he actually started a, uh, a store uh, on Court Street. He uh, founded something he called the Kanki Mineral Water Factory, uh, where he bottled mineral water and uh, trying to think of another type of carbonated water and ginger ale. Okay. <laughs> and uh, this was on, on Court Street. He also uh, bought the former Eric. A-H-R-I-C-H, uh, grocery, another German family. Uh, and that was, that grocery, we have a picture, probably the oldest picture of downtown Kankakee, dating from the, about the mid-1860s, we think, uh, that shows the north side of Court Street looking toward Court and Schuyler. And there are five or six buildings, low one-story buildings uh, in that picture. And one of them is the Eric Grocery Store. <laughs> And so that was, well, let's see, it would be under, it would be underneath the uh, the county office building, the City National Bank okay. building. Okay. Nearest to the alley, uh, the area where you come in off the, the small parking lot. Yeah. Uh, because the predecessor of City National Bank was in a little one-story building just to the west of that, at okay. the corner. Okay. Um, anyway, uh Radicky. It's interesting that he went into doing beverages, mm -hmm. just like how his sister and and uh, right. Beckman were doing. Except obviously it was alcohol, but exactly. still, it was that's interesting. And uh, he actually opened another business. Uh, this is a very ambitious man. I was going to say at he's one a point busy he had guy. three different businesses going. Um, in 1869, he opened a billiard saloon down the block a bit on Court Street. It was near the grocery store, but it wasn't right next door. We don't have an exact address. Uh, and I assume they were doing fairly well uh, because uh, keeping three building, business, businesses running was quite a, ch a challenge, I'm sure. And unfortunately, in 1870, it all went downhill. <laughs> Two separate fires uh, destroyed the grocery store, 
and the and the billiard parlor, and I assume that the uh, mineral water factory or our business was probably housed in the grocery store in the back of the grocery store. Oh, so like it that. wasn't separate. It wasn't separate, as far as we can tell. Well, this meant that, of course, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Radicky didn't have any businesses, any income coming in. So apparently, they got together with Margaret and Fred Beckman and decided to go in uh, go into partnership in the in the beer business in the breweries uh, and actually in 1873 FD Radicky Brewing Company was incorporated with Frederick Radicky as the president and uh, they began in that same year constructing a much larger building for the brewery itself uh, would be, would have been just west of Dearborn and south of River Street between there and the river. Um, so it was still in the same area that the original building. Right. The original Hanley building was somewhere right in that area down to, probably pretty close to the river. But I have the feeling it was a pretty small operation because uh, he was definitely a, a second banana in terms of breweries to the Deal Brewery, which was had been operating at that time. Um, of course, I say that... Uh, <clears throat> In uh, what year was it here? Seventy, eighteen seventy-six. So for a while there was continuing uh, competition there, but uh, eighteen seventy-six, George Deal died and his brewery went out mm -hmm. of business, okay. leaving the Radicky as the only brewery in town. So when, but before FD Radicky actually got involved with the brewery, mm -hmm. was it called? Was it still called the the Hanley Brewery, or did? <laughs> Did I, I guess what I'm asking? Did Margaret and Fred keep the the same name when they bought? I, as far as we know, it was called uh, Hanley had called it the Riverside Brewery. Okay, and so it probably stayed under the Riverside name until '73 when Fred or when Radicky became involved with it. Okay, <clears throat> the complex grew through the years. I mean, it became a really good sized operation. So the first big step was in '73 when they began. Uh, building an expanded building. They also got into what was their secondary business, and it was a very big business in Kankakee at that time, cutting ice in the river. Oh, yeah, that was a huge <laughs> business all over all over the county. All over the county. I mean, we had, yeah, incredible, because the Kankakee River was a very pure, clean stream. And, uh, of course, there were no refrigerators as we know it at that time. <laughs> yeah. So people had... Uh, to use natural ice, and Radicky's went into the ice business initially, at least I'm sure, uh, mostly because of uh, using the processing of, of of the beer. But in later years, they became a very large dealer in ice, where it was delivered to your home by the by the ice man. The ice man cometh, <laughs> right? Yeah, on the the wagon with the horse, the wagon and, with the horse, and yeah. a, a big set of tongs yeah. to carry this chunk of ice. Yeah, the Chunks of ice that were uh, harvested from the river were really quite huge. They were like three by four feet and maybe a foot thick, weighed a couple hundred pounds. <laughs> and they, of course, were cut up into smaller chunks. But we have a, a couple of pictures showing this long conveyor, slatted conveyor coming out of the back of the brewery down to the river surface. And you, know, the, uh, and you can see on the conveyor belt, the, the big square chunks of ice being set up into, and interestingly, when ice was harvested, of course, obviously ice would melt when it gets warm. Yeah, uh, they needed insulation, and it was actually packed in sawdust, uh, and it, all around and served as insulation. Insulation and the ice harvested in say January uh, was still viable and able to be sold in into the summer months. Later on, they got the Radicky's also got into actually d distilling their own water, uh, mineral water. Okay. And uh, you know, rather than at at one time they were selling both river ice and distilled water ice, but then eventually uh, the distilled water ice won out. Yeah, I know. Did they? So they used sawdust in in one of those buildings that they had, yeah. or was it in a like a barn or something like that? No, it was a large. Probably three to four story tall building. The, the complex on the west side of Dearborn Avenue uh, was the main brewery, 
that was a good-sized building. It probably the property there from was solidly built from River Street down to the bank of the river, and then over. Well, I would say probably in today's terms a half block to the west. So it filled that in whole area in, and there were the two major operations there. And the one closest to Dearborn Avenue was all of the uh, brewery, the brew house and storage for things and so forth. And then to the west of that was this big storage area for processing and storage for the ice. Uh, in later years, we again have a couple of pictures of the, the large number of delivery vehicles that Radicke's had because they uh, horse-drawn and later by about 1913 or so, uh, motorized truck delivery sort of thing. So uh, back to the brewery itself, though, uh, in 1875, it was a, a tragedy in the family. Fred Beckman, for some reason, was swimming in the river and drowned. So Margaret continued to be, uh, of course, a major ownership situation, um, and along with the Radicke's and so forth. Was he? Fa Do you know how old he was? Was he fairly still he, fairly? I young think or? he was still fairly young. Probably maybe in his his forties or so, but I'm not really sure. And they must have had children. I don't have. I, I I think that they did, but we don't have any. I don't have any information at the moment on yeah. on the line of the Beckman. Obviously, because the Beckman name became very well. No one here, they probably did, or at least there were relatives to carry that name on. Right. I was going to say, must have been others to carry on the name if, uh, you know, he passed away in the river. That's right. And have, uh, of course, a lot of in important positions held by Beckman's through the years, including the mayor several years. And yes. The, the park where the uh, boat harbor collapsed not too long ago. Yeah, Beckman Park. It's Beckman Park, yeah, which that was, was named for Louis Beck. I think it was Louis Beckman, who was mayor of Kankakee for a number of years. Um, back to the brewing company. Um, after after Fred Beckman died, um, the company expanded. They had um, 1877, the main brewery building was remodeled and greatly improved and expanded. And at some point along the line, uh, I don't have the exact date here, but um, the mineral water business was still in operation, apparently, despite the fact that the other buildings had burned down, that the business probably was transferred to the, the brewery area. And, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Radicke sold that business to a relative of his named Kamen, K-A-M-M-A-N, and uh, they built a soft drink business that actually was on the river right east of the brewery. It was uh, at what's now the foot of Indiana Avenue is the Kamen Bottling Company, and we have quite a few Kamen bottles in our collection that have turned up through the years, and they, they made various types of soft drinks. It went on for quite some time, uh, so it stayed close in the business. Did Radicke make their own bottles as well, or did they have someone else? I suspect do that? they had them brought in because yeah. uh, that's a whole separate kind of business. Yes. Um, in terms of bottling, uh, there's an interesting history on the bottling too. Uh, bottling in the early years, when bottling was a later operation. Uh, you know, it was basically sold in kegs, right, and delivered mostly to taverns and so forth. Uh, but when they did start bottling, the bottling was done in the basement of the brewmaster's house, which was across River Street. It was at the corner of Dearborn and uh, and River. It was the was the big Radicke house itself, and then the next house to the east, or I'm sorry, to the west, uh, was the brewmaster's house. And I seem to remember, and I haven't can't pin it down precisely, that there was a tunnel under River Street from the brewery to the, the brewmaster's house so they could uh, you know, bring the, the bottled beer back and forth and start do the bottling and the store away the beer, and the warehouse and so forth. Uh, that went on for a while until, uh, let's see, the um, 1892, I think, which is when they built 
the building that everybody thinks of in terms of of the Radicky Brewery. It's the picture of the building that was on the east side of of Dearborn and south of, of River Street with kind of a turreted top and so forth. Uh, and it was, I believe, two or three story tall building. And uh, that housed the offices and in the back section of it, the bottling department. And then upstairs was Radicky Hall, which, and it was a, this is a big building. Again, it ran from River Street all the way down to the river and ran over to maybe about half block eastward from there. Uh, Radicky Hall was something of a local social center for many, many years, even up into the 1960s or 1950s. Oh, that long? Uh, even after the brewery closed. I was going to say, they they kept that, that hall open. It was The German-American Social Club was headquartered there. Of course, the large German population, there were a lot of activities, uh, not only uh, you know, card playing with the, the Bierstein and so forth, uh, but other talks and dances and social events of all kinds. But also the, the non-German population was invited to there were many events that were just, they rented the hall out for, for various uses and so forth. Different clubs would have uh, dances or uh, lectures and so forth there. So it was quite a popular place. Uh, eventually, it even became a, a roller rink. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. We could touch on that a little later, but okay. it had its its day as a, uh, as a, in the roller skating business. Yeah. Um, the... Radicky Brewery Company did uh, had various brands of beer, of course. They, in bottles, they had something called Weiner or Weiner, W-I-N-E-R, in reference to Vienna, if I remember correctly. Uh, Export, which was one of their premium beers. Uh, they also uh, had a couple of other beers available in bottles, and they had in kegs or in wood, as they said in their ads, because these were wooden kegs before the days of aluminum ones. <laughs> yep. uh, they had a uh, a lager beer and a, uh, yeah, what's the other big category? Oh, my, gone blank. <laughs> um, you said lager, and you're thinking of, it's not Pilsner, is it? Uh, here, right here. Yes, Pilsner. Thank okay. you, Jake. There it was. <laughs> I knew I had. I, had seen I know it. It just was, just a little bit about beer, not a lot. But I was yeah. like, I think maybe Pilsner is the. It was is small the type, so I was straining to read it. <laughs> no, it's it's okay. I can totally relate. So these were all German inspired beers, German style beers. Yes, German style beers, and and did did um, FD Radicky know how to do this already or who did he learn it from no supposedly you... their earlier experiments were kind of bad <laughs> and they were <laughs> learning as it was a do-it-yourself project of some sort and they finally decided they they needed a brewmaster yeah that's what i wondered so where they, yeah. the, the, the the uh the talent comes from right i i think that you know of course they'd grown up all their lives with with beer and so forth being you know, German background and beer reserve the home and so forth. But uh, so they went to Germany and got a brewmaster and he came in and sorted out all of their recipes and processes and got them going pretty well. So they didn't have to dump so many things into the river that were bad batches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> had, had a lot of drunken fish. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> oh man, the things they used to do to that poor river back oh, then. Oh, yes. <laughs> but... Um, they sold, of course, obviously in this immediate area, but they also served, served to a somewhat larger area in the Midwest as with their beers. I was going to say, how did their distribution work? How successful was was that? I, I think it was, you know, primarily local Kankakee County and adjoining counties, but I think they, you know, probably uh, shipped beer to Chicago on for further transport on the train. Uh, the city at well the, during the their heyday, uh, there were lots of outlets for beer in Kankakee. There were a lot of taverns, like all towns in that time. I think the as somebody referred to to them, taverns in especially at the turn of the century were considered the working man's social club. Yeah, and, absolutely. And so, uh, uh, you know, you could look on East Avenue and find probably. Six taverns between Court Street and uh, and Bourbonnais, or along Court Street, there were 
taverns there. there were, and many of these were owned, obviously, by German immigrants. So it stayed close to home. Yeah. Uh, I saw an ad in a, should be what, in the late, after Prohibition was repealed, when uh, a different company was running the brewery. But it listed 41 taverns in Kankakee that uh, carried their beer. Wow. <laughs> so they were a pretty good number. Yeah, that's a lot. And uh, and this, was, of course, was after Prohibition had pretty forced a lot of taverns out of business or something else. Yeah, but um, we have a couple of pictures of sort of semi-aerial drawings and so forth showing the brewery. And it was very impressive. I and mean, there were a couple of very large buildings there. And they hired as many, I think about 150 people okay. were, worked in the brewery. Uh, I'm not sure if that included delivery drivers and so forth, but I think it was primarily the the brewery itself. That's sizable. It is pretty good size. They were a good sized uh, employer in the city. Um, unfortunately, uh, in 1901, uh, Frederick Radicke died, as people always do. <laughs> right. They, uh, right. <laughs> and uh, so the following year, the company was reincorporated with a new set of officers and so forth, but that stayed close to home. Uh, his son, William, was the president of the company, and uh, his other son, August, was vice president. And Louis Beckman, a descendant of the Beckmans, was the secretary. That does answer something. With their, no, that does answer. Okay. It's continued. Okay. Uh, but the largest single shareholder in the business was Margaret Radicky Beckman. Okay. It <laughs> so, was still her. So it stayed okay. close to home. Yeah. Uh, the business continued to grow by in the uh, in 1905 they built a, another big addition to the plant for fermenting and storage operations, and uh, unfortunately, 1920 prohibition hit and making and uh, selling beer was illegal, so. Um, they transitioned, in this case, to root beer. They began selling root beer and, uh, I guess what we would call today, near beer, non-alcoholic, or virtually non-alcoholic beer that was had low enough content to allow it to be sold. It was a, a long dry spell for yeah. <laughs> the business, uh, and actually, in uh, did they did they actually stay open during all of the nineteen twenties? Pretty much so, yeah. Again, making uh, making root beer and and non alcoholic beer. And I know there's been speculation that they were making mm -hmm. real beer on the side, but I don't know if there's any proof of that yeah. or, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you have any knowledge on that, but I've I've heard that rumor floating around. Yes. Well, in 1929, the business was sold to a Chicago interest that was a little vague, but indications that that there was connections somewhere to some fellow named Capone that lived up in Chicago. Uh, it's too bad that uh, Jory Walters isn't here, our research director, because that's one of her favorite topics. She's done a lot of research on the Capones and uh, their. There and other, you know, prohibition gangster influences on the Kanki area. Because prohibition went till 1933, correct? Uh, let's see. I believe so. Let's see. Uh, yes, 1933, November 25th. So when it was when it was bought in 29, there was still that was still going on. Oh yes, and you know the the rumors that had never been quite pinned down was uh, during the day they made root beer, and at night they were brewing real beer. And the trucks would pull up and leave before dawn, heading for Chicago to uh, go into the speakeasies. But uh, again, we have no real validation of that, but it's certainly local rumor as opposed to history. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you mentioned the uh, repeal of prohibition. It became legal again to, to brew and sell beer in 19, late 1933. But at that time, the Radekes, they didn't have anything to do with it? No, they saying? were gone. They, they had, were they they had sold it, yeah. They completely sold that. That's right. At the building, uh, or the, the rivers, the, excuse me, the business uh, was renamed as the Kanki Beverage Company by okay. its current owners, whoever they might have been. <laughs> and uh, they were generating uh, <clears throat> real beer again. And in fact, I found an advertisement in 
a uh, in in the uh, September eleventh, nineteen thirty six newspaper, the Kankakee Republican, uh, and it said uh, Royal Bavarian and Riverside Lager beers, Kankakee's own. Order a case today. Huh. It's from your tavern. It's, and it was Riverside Brewing Company, uh, 512 South Dearborn Avenue, which, of course, was the old Radicky Redress. Yeah. And uh, there's also an ad for the Radicky's beverage and root beer from uh, 1921. You uh, enjoy its wonderful flavor and its mildly stimulating effect. And it's real quenching refreshment. But it wasn't the same as real beer. <laughs> no, yeah. They're trying to make it sound like it is, That's of course. Because right. <laughs> they got a, you know, they got a business to run. That's right. Well, anyway, after Radicky died and the business changed hands and eventually prohibition was repealed, uh the new or reformed brewery stumbled along, didn't really wasn't really terribly successful. And by 1936, it went out of business. Uh, the buildings remained for a number of years. I mean, they were kind of a, obviously a local landmark. Uh, the brewery and ice side of the business, those buildings, I think, just were totally shut down because the uh, they were you know no longer viable. Uh, but the other building, the office building, had... Uh, a number of, of small businesses at various times that occupied the first floor of the office area. And, of course, the Radicky Hall at the top was still quite used. It was also was the Palace Skating Rink for in the 50s, I believe it was. There are probably a lot of people who are hearing this who remembered that maybe as small children or that their members of their families skated at the Palace Rink. Yeah, I'll have to ask my, my grandmother about that because uh, she she grew up in in kankakee in the in the 50s and i wonder if she oh, yeah, went there I would not be surprised yeah yeah the uh building the the old brewery buildings themselves were torn down in uh, 1954 uh and uh leaving a, a large vacant lot for quite a while uh, the uh, office building or social hall and so forth uh, Lasted a little longer. It was 1961 before that was torn down. That's a shame because that would have been a really neat building to have kept going. To yeah. Have, have uh, because it had it was really quite distinctive. It was local limestone, uh, and it had some fancy touches. It had kind of a an arched entryway on uh, on River Street, and of course the cupola on top. Cupola, that's what we were trying Thank to think you. of earlier. Yeah, there yes. it is, there it is. Uh, and it was very spacious, but... Uh, Do you think it, it probably just wasn't up, kept up well over the years? It uh, probably was costly? I would think so. And also there was uh, a was development in mind. The, the property was valuable at that location. This was before the Scatter Avenue Bridge was built. So okay. that... But it was still uh, River Street was still a very you know, desirable area for something, and as it happened, uh, the uh, tall senior citizen housing uh, building that's on on River Street there is actually on the site of the old brewery. Okay, and I think that that's probably why the uh, well, let's see, that's yeah, that, I'm trying to get in my mind exactly where that is in relation to Dearborn. But uh, it that was definitely the the property of the brewery, and now of course the some of the other buildings in that same area, that old house that's down there, are going to be torn down and redeveloped as part of the Riverwalk program. Okay, it'll be the, the last structures between uh, Dearborn and Schuyler on the river to still to be gone. So is the Radicky House gone too? Then it was torn down in the. 60s or 70s, I believe. Okay. So that didn't survive either. Yeah. For many years, and I, I don't have the numbers at hand, uh, Mrs. Radicky lived in a smaller house that had been built right around the corner from the big Radicky house. It was on Dearborn. It was the next house north of there. And she lived there and was taken care of by her daughter, Anna, 
Uh, there were two Radicke daughters. Well, actually, there were three, uh, Lucy, Anna, and Margaret. I don't recall what happened to Lucy. Margaret married. Anna never married. And so she was the one who got to take care of mom, I guess, and uh, lived. Uh, and I believe she lived until about the 1970s or 80s. I don't recall exactly. But uh, all of those, most of those Radicke buildings, I mean, residences are gone. Yeah. Uh, one of the house, the house that is on Eagle Street, right next to where the, the creek goes below the river, uh, out below the street and the river to the east of there, was, I believe, August Radicke's house. Uh, and that's, as far as I know, the only Radicke-related building that's still there. Okay. So it's quite a saga. Uh, yeah. Did you did you yourself meet any of the Radicke's when they were still like Because that was about it. the time that you came into the area, yeah, right? I came here was in 63, it? so okay. the last of the buildings had been torn down. Yeah. Uh, I know there are, are still Radicke's in the area. The name mm -hmm. is still familiar, but I've never yeah. met any of them. Okay. Um, let's see. I don't think there's anything else I can... What happened to the soft drink? I know that was separate from the soft drink uh, factory. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was separate, obviously, from Radicke, but what's the the story on... Did I, that stay open? I believe it did, yeah, because it wasn't affected by prohibition. I'm not sure how right. long the Cameron Bottling Company list lasted, but I think a fair amount of time because it was it actually backed up kind of corner to corner on um, the Bradley House property. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which was interesting because I think that uh, people tell us about finding, of course, you know, uh, Cammon bottles in uh, along the riverbank down in that area and so forth. And I'm not sure exactly when they went out of business, but I know they had a viable business for quite a few years because uh, just the volume of material that's been found in, as far as bottles and that sort of thing is uh, is pretty impressive. It makes me want to go out on the riverbank there and look for <laughs> bottles. Seriously, that sounds oh, yeah. so cool. I bet you could scuba dive right over there I and find some. Surprised, especially digging in all the sand that came down from Indiana. Oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> but, good point there. Yeah. Um, Let's see, I'm trying to think if there are any other items about, uh, oh, yeah, one very interesting item. The um, Radicke Brewing Company had a series of promotional posters that they uh, either sold or, or sent to all of their outlets, all the bars, and many of them had them, and they were like this size. Uh, they were like two by three feet. Okay. And... We have pictures of various taverns from that period where you can see them posted on the back bar. Yeah. Uh, and they were really fascinating. There was there are pictures of, of course, young women, uh, both children. There are some that were, you know, uh, I think like small, relatively small children, nicely dressed and so forth. And others of just some adult women, very well dressed and fancy. Uh, one in particular is the... the uh, the debutante of Kankakee is a term that, uh, and she is she's a beautiful girl. We have on the back of uh, a book that we have at the museum store called uh, The Pictorial History of Kankakee's Own Brewery. We have a picture, and she has this big flowered straw hat and long brown banana curls down either side of her. She's a beautiful girl, and she's carrying flowers. And... Uh, the uh, girl shown on the poster was described as, quote, uh, a ravishing bit of femininity with her delicate coloring, chestnut curls, and luminous blue eyes. The large picture hat enveloping her lovely face as a fitting frame with its glow of red poppies and contrasting dark ribbon. The picture is a constant delight, for it depicts in such a delicate way a rare charm of disposition and the joyous spirit of life. I suspect that might have been some of the sales uh, pitch that uh, from Radicke's saying, hey, put up these posters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, huh. we actually have reproductions of several of those posters for sale in the museum store. Oh, that's cool. I didn't realize you had those for sale. And uh, so that's another side of the Radicke. They did a lot of promotional. They had, we have in the collection a coaster uh, paper coaster that's uh, for uh, winder export <laughs> and we have other promotional things uh, do you think of any that you've seen in the 
Covered ones I thought of, yeah. but we have in our display we have a number of things, promotional things. I suspect there are, you know, but also some other artifacts like wooden case that holds twenty four beer bottles. Yes, I remember seeing that case there. Yeah, and a, a refrigerator. There's a round, and these were distributed and sold by Radicky apparently. Uh, this one is about what four and a half feet high. And it's round, it's circular, and it's brown, painted brown, it has a big door in the front. And there's space to put your big chunk of ice in there and keep things cold. And uh, we discovered, I don't remember where we discovered, it was in the, the governor's small house at one time, but I think that we decided it really belonged in the Radicky exhibit. I think at that yeah. time we were changing the exhibit and decided this is a good time to bring it over there because it didn't really relate to the house. It was yeah. Just, that's, about the right period, but uh, oh, that must have been why it was there. So, uh, so that's one of the, the other things. There are posters and you know other items from uh, from the brewery. So, should, I mean, that poster should be in every man cave. I know? would think so. <laughs> in fact, as it happens, uh, yes, I uh, my daughters, one of my daughters and son, her husband bought a new house out in Bourbon area and had a, a very nice large basement. And he was uh, <clears throat> opening, uh, decorating the place and getting a bar set up and so forth. And so uh, he obtained a copy of that from me. <laughs> <laughs> See? That, that, was my, that was my bar warming gift to him. <laughs> we're, we're helping everyone with their Christmas uh, I, I so. shopping right now. That, you know, if you don't know what to get that, uh, that man in your life, well, <laughs> get him... <laughs> A uh, Radicky uh, poster. Right. Actually, yeah. man, woman, or child. We have all kinds of different things in the museum store that we're very happy to sell you. And they're they're very unique too. They're, yeah, and they're they're related to our exhibits and to yeah. businesses that were here. Uh, we have a, a quite a large selection of books that touch on local history in one aspect or another of it. Yeah, uh, including such things as uh, everybody, of course, knows about the the uh, Indian statue. Yes. Which, uh, and we actually have a little booklet that is the story of that statue, where it came from and what happened to it and how it happened to be in our collection. Well, that might be the next episode <laughs> <laughs> that we, we talk about. So, awesome. Um, anything else, Jack? I can't think of anything else uh, relating to the Ranikis. Uh I'm sure, you know, a hundred questions will come up later on. But <laughs> Yeah, but I, I you covered it very well. So it's really interesting. Well, I think that, you know, there's so many aspects of our local history that uh, need to be preserved and passed on. And that's why I'm very proud to be able to write a, a column every week on local history and uh, carry it on. And I, there are people just walk up all over the place saying, that's the first thing I turn to when the paper comes. Yeah, on Saturday, absolutely. So. Yeah, so that's uh, something I definitely want to plug once again. Jack Clacy does have a column every single weekend in the Daily Journal that you can read either in print or online, okay. whichever you prefer. And they're always great. So um, that's something you can look forward to. I know you just released a new book mm -hmm. um, on the Ferris wheel. Right. It's called The uh, Prince of Wheelwrights, George Ferris and his big wheel, his great wheel. And it's a uh, a project that I worked on for literally more than a half century. That's a long time. <laughs> and just published in uh, April of this year. And so uh, it's available on Amazon or, of course, at the museum store. So That's the best we, place to buy it. Yeah, we encourage <laughs> anybody who is interested to uh, come and take a look at it. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Um, and then, Veronica, do you want to plug some of those events once sure. again that the museum has going on? Yeah, so our coloring contest due this week, um, we'll announce the winners on Friday. Uh, on Saturday, uh, we have Crafty Kids with Camille. That's uh, the pumpkin craft project at 1 o'clock at the uh, Kankakee County Museum. And the same day, October 23rd, we have the Paris of Gertrude Stein lecture that will be at the French Heritage Museum. And then trick-or-treating at both locations on October 30th. Um, I'll also throw out there... November 6th, remember to come to the Artisan Fair. Yes, absolutely. Okay, and uh, you're right, KankakeeCountyMuseum.com. Uh, follow on uh, Facebook and on Instagram, uh, Kankakee County Museum as well. Anything else? No? Okay, well, no, thank you, Veronica, and thank you, Jack. Thank you both so much for being on again. 
Our pleasure so to always, be with you. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure, and I look forward to uh, next month's episode. Mm-hmm. So it just might, yeah, maybe we'll do the the uh, the Indian statue, the Native American statue. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll find something. That's the the thing about the museum. There's so many things to choose from that we could talk about. It's endless, which actually makes it kind of hard. She was <laughs> <laughs> like, "Where do we go next?" There's so many different things to talk about. So, but um, definitely enjoy it every single month. So. All right. Well, that uh, concludes this episode of Kankakee Podcast. I'm Jake Lamore. Please follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Kankakee Podcast. Also, you can find uh, previous episodes wherever it is that you listen to podcasts or at kankakeepodcast.com. Sign up for our mailing list there. You can find out how you can become a sponsor and so much more at kankakeepodcast.com. We release new episodes every single Monday, and our theme song is by Lupe Carroll. Thanks so much for listening. People tend to